Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things Draft FPL. Now, we've got uh, an altered, slightly altered lineup this evening. Uh, myself, Isaac, we've got Gilby and we've got Mick. Unfortunately, no Dave with, this, with us this evening. Now, I've heard reports that he's out scouting currently because his squad's so terrible. He's trying to, you know, get a few uh, new players into the fold. But uh, it's probably more likely that he's just away for work for a little while. So, unfortunately, he won't be with us tonight. Um, now, boys, given last week when, you know, we, we had a bit of a chat about uh, how the last round ended up for us, we've got a, obviously a, a change at the top of the leaderboard. We've got a few trades that went through that might have affected that. Um, has, has Gilby, have you been able to come to terms with losing the top position have you been able to justify and 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 work through that pain oh it's still painful i'm not gonna lie um (laughs) whenever i log on and see the little red arrow saying down one this this round um but yeah i mean as i said last time when i look at my team i like i said to you guys last time i'm still confident that on paper if everyone actually plays to what they should be playing um i'm still confident i've got the best team but I mean, uh, I saw Thielman's picked up an injury now as well on, um, it looks like he might be out for a couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting few weeks with um, some manager changes as well that we'll probably get to, but mm. um, I'm, I'm still feeling pretty confident, really. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, you touched on a good point there. There's been a, a few changes um, in the EPL just recently, which we'll definitely talk about. Um, now, Mick, have there been a few changes to your squad as well? Uh, there has this week. So since last week on the pod, obviously no waivers with the international break, but a, a certain trade's gone through, and I know uh, one person on the pod here will be very happy to know. Uh, my first two draft picks are both gone. So I'm wow. currently first draft pick less. Um, obviously, Ronaldo is the equivalent of one, but doesn't count. So Sterling and Havertz both gone. Wow. Now, given given that, you know, uh, there was uh, a couple of big trades last week. Uh, a trade to that magnitude where both two draft picks are gone is, is pretty big. Pretty big news. I know. I know. But wow. uh, in return, I don't know if we'll go into it now, but it's basically just been a swap of Man City midfielders for Ch- and Chelsea midfielders for each other. Okay. Well, um, we'll get into that shortly, I think, Mick. I think uh, it's probably a good idea to maybe talk about the trades from last week because uh, for those who listened, um, and again, we know it's just three people, um, there were some trades last week. We did talk about them in the pod, but there were some issues with the audio. So we, we might sort of pick up into some of the free agent trades and those trades that happened. Um, uh, we had Ben on last week, which was excellent. We were hoping to, to have another special guest on this week, but it doesn't look like that's happening. That's okay. So um, Gilby, if you rewind a little bit and take us back to some of the free agent trades and then we can go into the trades that did happen last week, which might go to explain uh, why um, there's been a slight change at the top that, that might go into it. I'm sure you're more than willing to talk us through your thoughts around that. Uh, but maybe let's kick off with those free agent trades that we missed from last podcast. Yeah, last time we only missed the final two uh, free agent trades that went through, and they're both yours, Isaac. Um, so the first one was after a few weeks of to and froing both on here, and I'm sure in your mind as well, you finally pulled the pin and dropped Greenwood for Hudson Adoy. Mm-hmm. So what was the thoughts there, Isaac? That was really just all about um, 
I, I think Greenwood had run his race in terms of points for me. I'd got some good points out of him. I was happy with the points that I had. Uh, but I could really see that given uh, United's change in formation, I thought that maybe Rashford might be more um, the player to fill that second sort of striker role around Ronaldo. Um, he got injured. And so, well, you know, wasn't considered as highly. So Greenwood still did start, but it was against City. So I wasn't really too stressed about not picking up points there. So I just thought that, hey, I've had a good, I've had a good time with Greenwood. You know, it's been wonderful. Uh, I just thought it was time to move on, given that that sort of fact. And Hudson Odoi, um, who I picked up, he um, had a good fixture, has been playing well. Um, I was hopeful of some points there. Got two points out of him, so didn't you know make a big difference. But, you know, it, it makes it easy, I think, for me now to rotate that midfielder and bring in people who I think can pick up some good points. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy with a 50-50 call there. Um, as you said, like, if Ole is actually around for a few more weeks, which it seems like he will be, um, the formation is a little bit up in the air. I did see during the week that there's rumours that he is going to stick with that formation and he's trying to turn Sancho into a right wing back. And one of the pundits has come out and said that should be a sackable offence, trying to turn Sancho into a wing back. So we shall see how that goes. And then your final one, another one where you held for a few weeks and maybe have seen a little bit of the breeze blowing a certain way. You've dropped Ihe Nacho and brought in Shea Adams from Southampton. So same deal, like trying to pick the right time there? Same deal. Um, And I saw he played midweek. Um, and so I figured, well, they might change their formation and he probably won't get a look in with Vardy playing. So I pulled the pin, brought in Shea Adams. Southampton have been playing well. Um, I was hoping that he might get at least an assist. Didn't happen. But again, pretty pretty happy that I made that trade when I did. I just want to make sure I've got players who are playing um, as many as I can. I'm not holding on to too many who aren't getting at least two points around. So that was the thought behind that one. All right, and then we got into the manager trades. So the first one was one we we'd talked about for a few weeks, and we were kind of got close to the line last podcast as well. Uh, yourself and Dave finally got your defender swap happening, with a little bit of a midfielder swap on the side to maybe sweeten the deal a little bit for Dave's sake. So, Isaac, you picked up Robertson finally and Suchek, and Dave got Walker and Ben Rama. So... Isaac, do you think you've won that trade or do you think it's a fair 50-50? Well, given given that Dave's uh, probably going to be listening to this podcast at some point, uh, he's not with us this week, um, I've totally screwed him over. He's done. You know, I... He, well, I'm right. sure his I'm sure his mum will tell you tell us tell him what we said about him. You are absolutely yeah. You're right. No, he, he, I've I've absolutely done him. Uh, he's got the raw end of that trade. I, you know, he. There's nothing more to say there. You know, he's just he's. I don't know why he went for it. <laughs> no, but it's all seriousness. I think it. I needed to try and probably sweeten the deal with a midfielder that was slightly better than his midfielder that I took from him. So, Ben Rama does have the potential to get good points and, and and score quite highly in a game week. Um, Suchek's more a steady player, which I don't mind having in my squad. I think it's a good thing as well. Um, but I did notice that like in the last four game weeks that Suchek actually outscored Ben Rama as well. So, you know, I thought that it was a fair enough um, and, and it did 
the trade did what I wanted it to do. I was able to get Robertson, was able to diversify my back line a little bit. Um, and then Dave uh, straight away put Walker on the bench and missed out on eight points, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. That, that you know, pleased me no end. I'm sure it did. So what I was displeased about was arguably it's probably strengthened both your teams. So we'll see who gets the best trade out of that going forwards. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the most controversial trade of the round for a, a number of reasons we'll get into imminently. Um, Isaac, you somehow persuaded Dan to part with Rafinha and Trossard for Embuemo and Cornet in return. Mm. So... Take us through exactly what you're whispering in Dan's dreams um, or maybe what you slipped in his drink. <laughs> I think persuading is the wrong term. There wasn't a whole lot of persuading there. In fact, I put one trade forward that was just one player and he decided to throw the second player in and give me two options that actually made it really difficult for me to choose because they were both fantastic options, I believe, for me. Um, so I looked at my squad um, and saw that I had a ton of players who were potentially going to be going to African Cup of Nations. And I decided, well, I need to do something about that. I don't want too many players in my squad where I've got to make too many changes later on in free agency where I don't think I can get the quality. Um, so I decided that um, one of those players, Cornet, who I'd only had for a couple of weeks, he got me some good points that he was ready to go. And I noted that Dan had tried to pick him up the week before when I got him. Uh, and so I figured, well, that's something that maybe Dan wants. What do I want? I looked at his midfield and thought, well, I'm just going to go high. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to the, the very top of the ceiling and see if I can pick up something maybe a few runs lower. So I asked for Rafinha. Um, and he came back to me and said, yep. Um would you also consider throwing in Mbuemo for either Saka um, or Trossard? And so, again, I didn't do a whole lot of convincing there. He came back to me with another trade, and I'm like, okay. Um, so then I spent like another half an hour actually going through the numbers and trying to figure out which one I should take. Uh, and I settled on Trossard, who scored some pretty good points as well, which is good. Um and I, yeah, I, he just suggested that one and I just went for it. I There was no persuading. There was no whispering. Um, so it, rather it than you happened. taking, rather than you actually taking candy from a baby, the baby's knocked on your door and thrown lollipops at you essentially. Pretty much. And two of them stuck. So yeah, it was, um, I, I'm really happy with the trade. Obviously Dan was happy with the trade. He wouldn't have gone for it if he, if he wasn't. Um, but I'm sensing, Gilby, that maybe you're not happy with the trade. Well, I mean, when I look at la the results of last round and I note that all three of your players that got you big points were either trades or transfers. Um, and considering that won you the title at the in the last couple of rounds of last season over me again, I'm thinking... Yeah, I, I may or may not have been cursing Dan's name for last week or so. So we shall see who actually ends up with the best of that tree. But at the moment, um, yeah, I'm definitely putting some pins in my Daniel Muller voodoo doll. 
Yeah, he'll be he'll be pleased to know that. Um, I'm sure he was listening into last week's pod, but we had to sort of had audio issues, like I said. Uh, he was probably expecting there to be some chat around that. Now, Mick, I don't know if he's mentioned anything more to you around it since. Pro- probably not. No, at this stage, not. I haven't spoken about the uh, the pod last week at all, and I've definitely seen him between now and then, or since then. Um, but yeah, hasn't mentioned anything. But I can't wait till he hears it and hears uh, Gilby's opinion and. Um, I'll be seeing him either tomorrow or the night after, so I can't wait to hear it. Hopefully, he gets onto it and hears it by then. What's your opinion? Well, I know, well, I know last I know. time, oh, just in case this got cut out, screw you, Dan. <laughs> it did get cut out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Rafinha was obviously originally my player, and I, I said this, yeah. don't know if it got cut out, but I mean, Gilby has a go at Dan, but I gave him to Rafinha in the first place. Um, uh, but like I said, I with the particularly at the start, he was carrying a bit of a knock and he came back from international duty and I wasn't sure if he was going to play big minutes. And I think he scored something like three in his last three. Um, something yeah. ridiculous. So he's just in a rich vein of form at the moment. So in terms of that, yeah, great option. I, I, I like Embuemo. I really do. So I do like that pickup. The Cornet one, I just struggle to see how it's going to last. Um, it's a flash in the pan for me. Yes, he's, he has scored good points. I don't think that means he will score good points. So I think that one might have been one Dan reached a little bit for. Um, I like Mbwemo. He's been really good. I don't like Cornet, particularly with African Cup of Nations. Now, with the international break that's just happened, um, Cornet just scored a goal and got an assist for Ivory Coast. Um, so I take that as he's starting for them. He will play. He will go to African Cup of Nations. So I think, like Gilby was talking to us before, that's somewhere between two and five, five or six games that they're going to miss. Um, so I think... Short term, yes. Long term, not as much. And I think Rafinha, I think I've probably undervalued him a little bit. Like I obviously gave him up pretty cheap, but I have to try and make a change. Um, and I tried to do that. I tried to strengthen other positions and it's given me a little bit of trade bait. Um, but we'll see how that falls later. Um, but I think, yeah, he's, he's definitely um, helped you quite a lot. Uh, I think the biggest thing, and again, don't know if we got cut out last week, but where I see the biggest change for you this week is the ability for you to drop a number of your African players that were going to be problematic for you. Because I think something like a third of your team were potentially leaving at the start mm. of next year. So that's really helped you and put you in a much better position than you may have been beforehand. Yeah, just with African Cup of Nations, as Mick was saying, I did look it up. For anyone out there who's doing the normal fantasy game or the draft game for that matter, um, it's confirmed they're going to miss round 22 and 23 at a minimum. And then, obviously, depending on when they get released from their clubs and which where they make the finals or whatever else, potentially round 20, 21, and 24. So, as Mick was saying, between a minimum of two, possibly up to five rounds. Obviously, then that could vary depending on injuries. So that's going to be something a lot of people will have to take note of over the next few weeks. If yeah. I just have a quick look now, Cornet in that round. So you said round 22 on. Leicester, Arsenal, Man United, and Liverpool for those run of four. So, I mean, if there's four games you have a player that you don't play him, they're the four you don't play him. And so, um, Burnley actually about to start a really good run as well. So, yeah, if, so if Cornet is going to get points, it's probably going to be over the next few weeks. Maybe there's something in it. Maybe he yeah. did his due diligence and he's just actually banking on that guy continuing. So fair play. If it happens, it's great on him. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, like, um, Mbwemo was one as well who I think, you know, has not a bad run. And 
is looking good, looking lively. But I think we mentioned it last week. Gilby, you had there was an analogy you heard from Mbwemo and Tony. You're, yeah, I'm not sure if this it. made the podcast last I time. Uh, I can't take credit for coming up with it. I did read it online. I don't know who came up with it, but power to you for coming up with it. It described Embuemo and Tony as the all fart and no poo strike force. So um, given the amount of times he's hit the woodwork, I think he is up to six now, and the next highest was two. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pulling hair at time if you had Embuemo for that time, thinking of all the points you could have had. Yeah, I was just looking at that right now. You're right, Embuemo has six. Benteke does have three. Um, and the next is Lukaku, Pepe, Tyler Roberts for Leeds, Lucas Moura and Ismaili Saar, all with two. No one else has more than one. So Embuemo could have been a much, much better pick. So again, maybe Dan's looking at that as the points he should have from where he actually is. And I think the big thing for me, though, is Brentford's run of late hasn't been good. So I'd like to have seen when those six woodwork chances were. I reckon they were all in the first half of those 11 rounds that have gone through, um, not in the back end. So it mm. might be a case of he's banking on the form returning rather than continuing. Yeah. Yeah, the only issue for me was that I think Dan has, like, as you've probably um, mentioned as well, I think he's given away Rafinha, who I think is an elite midfielder, for too low a price. Um, that's that's the main issue I've had with it. That I think Isaac's managed to get himself a blue chip midfielder for really not giving away too much. Hey, mate. Hey, can you hear me? Gotcha. Yeah, it just, it just dropped out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, if you just want to go back into that thought and I'll cut around it, it's fine. Sure. 18 minutes, Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, no, as a, um, the only issue I really had with it was that I think Isaac has managed to get himself a blue chip midfielder for really not that much in return. Because I look at Rafinha as probably being undervalued, as you said, Mick, by first you and then Dan. Um, the only potential issue, as you said, is he does look like he's becoming a main man for Brazil. So if he travels back, depending on their fixtures and that sort of stuff, he may miss out every now and then and be subbed because obviously, as we've talked about before, Bielsa plays really high-intensity style. That could reduce his value a bit. But, I mean, as you said as we said with Cornet, like Dan could come back and make us all look like fools. So you never yeah. know. At the moment, Isaac's a massive winner out of that trade for me. Uh, and, like, if... If we look at playing the fixtures, like Rafinha's next four are Spurs, Brighton, Palace, Brentford. So like that's not a bad next four. It gets a bit more difficult after that. Um, and and Trossard is uh, had pretty good fixtures as well. So Villa, Leeds, West Ham, Southampton, Spurs, Wolves. Um, like I just felt that yeah, fixture wise, I wasn't losing out too much, and I could just see that those two players had quite a bit of potential. Uh, moving forward, so I was, I was, I was pretty happy. They're like, they're like sixth and seventh on the ICT index as well um, for midfielders uh, on the game. Um, you know, I was pr- pretty happy with both of those pickups. Yeah, I think for me, the the biggest way is Trossard has massive upside. He's been playing really well. Been playing in that kind of striking role for Brighton. Morpay hasn't been playing at all. 
the I guess where Dan may be trying to protect himself is when does that change? When yeah. does Warpe come back in? When does he start? Does Danny Warbeck ever get out of the physio room and back on the pitch? When no. that happens, does <laughs> Trossard completely get dropped? Um, if that happens, well, again, maybe he looks like a genius getting Cornet for a guy who's not playing anymore. Um, but I think short term, yeah, I guess you, they're all playing. So they've yeah. all got possibilities here. It just turns, I guess, whether we're looking short term or long term. So Yeah. Look, I guess to watch this space, um, you know, I think that on face value, yeah, I feel like I've, I've done really well out of the trade. So it'll just be interesting to see what happens over the coming weeks. And then, you know, moving, mine was forward as well. Like, I just like that those two players are quite um, attacking. And, I mean, all the players were attacking, but they were quite attacking in, in pretty good teams, you know, in teams that play a really good style. Um, so, yeah, it will just be interesting to see. And I'm not sure if 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 Dan knew about the African Cup of Nations. Um, that will be interesting to hear his take on that, if that was any influence. So it was definitely influence of mine to get rid of him. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Be interesting to see. I'm sure he did know about it. I'm sure I've spoken to him before about it, but um, we've mentioned before how we do a mid-season draft. Now there was a bit of a speculation after the draft last week, after the pod last week. Sorry, whether we actually go ahead with that or whether we don't. It might be a group decision here. We might actually decide not to because I think there's a bit of a a bit of hesitancy, I guess, from some draft members, um, leagues, um, managers, I should say. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's what he's playing for is just for the next kind of eight weeks until that 19th round. And then I guess a mass color, but mm. wait and see, but yeah, I definitely don't think he didn't know about that. I'm sure he has. It's been mentioned a few times on the pot alone and we know he listens to it. So no reason not to have heard about that. Mm. Now I'm really keen Mick to hear about your latest trade. I've been on your back for so long about please, please, please get rid of Sterling. Um, so I want to know if you're actually able to get something for him. That would be interesting to know. Um, and I must admit, th- this information all came through uh, on the, the group chat that we have, and I just totally missed it. So I, I don't know. It didn't register with me for some reason. So please run us through it. How did, who'd you trade with? How'd you get there? Are you happy? So trade went through with Jeff, who would have been great to have him on to have heard his side tonight. But anyway, um yeah, trade went through, so I've given up Havertz and Sterling. In return, he's given me uh, Jorginho and Gundogan. Now, he's offered me a few trades in the before. Basically, sometimes it was almost open-ended um, for Havertz and Sterling. So he obviously has, I guess, a gut feeling that you could say that I've had for a while that it's just sinking lower and lower in my gut here, but that Havertz and or Sterling, one of them will actually come good, um, even short-term, which... Havertz has just had his chance. Yes, he, I think he got one goal return, so he's got me a little bit of points last round. Um, my issue going forward from there is, well, I don't see him starting over Lukaku and Werner. I think Tuchel's already shown his hand and shown what he wants and what his preference is. Um, I don't think Havertz has done enough in the meantime to say, no, I'm starting. So I think once one of those or both of those are fit, he won't be starting anymore. Sterling obviously has pretty much no value. Um, so I think I still kind of... I'm now waiting for one of those to catch fire and I'm expecting it to happen. And when it does, well, so be it. But in terms of value, I think quite possibly in two weeks, they have a total of zero draft value. Okay. Isaac's mentioned before how Sterling has nothing there. So I'm thinking, well, what can I get in the short term? As for Jorginho, I don't have a whole lot of interest. 
yes, he's a penalty taker, um, but he's not much of a penalty taker most recently. Um, in saying that, attacking team like Chelsea, he's got a chance to pop pop up every now and again with some points. Um, whether I drop him immediately or not, I don't know. They've got Leicester this week, so I maybe keep uh, drop him straight away. I might decide to hold him. I'm not quite sure, but for me, it was Gundogan. Gundogan's the one I wanted. Now, I, we actually spoke last week about Bernardo, and Bernardo's the one I really wanted. I tried hard to get him. I just couldn't get him. Um, Jeff originally offered me any two midfielders that weren't Salah, and then eventually he backtracked and just said, no, I think Gundogan's just worth too much. Oh, sorry, Gundogan. Bernardo's worth too much. So I went through a bit of my stat analysis. I had a bit of time on the weekend while I was waiting for, my, for some other stuff and sat down and tried to work out what midfielders are highly involved that have played at least three or four games, so 300-odd minutes of football, and have underperformed significantly to what they should have. And the one for me that really highlighted was Gundogan, according to the table I have. Now, if I can find it here for where he is, what I found was he's got something like two goals and one assist so far this season. Um, But what he should have is three goals and two assists, basically. Now, when you consider the fact, I think he's missed something like four games, um, that he's actually doing quite well. So, yeah, I've got it quite here now. So, seven appearances, he's played 600 minutes, two goals and zero assists. So, he's one goal less than he should have scored, and he's 1.7 assists less. Now, that's 15 points almost, if you include uh, bonus points as well from that. As a result, he should have 0.7 attacking returns per 90 minutes. I think based on how he finished end of last year with Pep, I think he's, if he's fit, he's a starting midfielder. Fernandinho is now a role player at best. Rodri's the holding. De Bruyne doesn't seem to be kicking any goals, both literally and figuratively. So maybe Gundogan's a guy who can actually step in, play that more attacking role, and I guess do something for them. Now, there's all obviously going to be a bit of rotation, but Pep's shown a bit of hesitancy to actually rotate this year. So if he continues to stay fit, if he continues to play in that team, hopefully he can actually get me some points. Now, they played uh, this morning as well, um, and he actually scored a double. He was on penalty duties for um, Germany. So hopefully, if they continue, he could be on penalties. He could be Another goal scorer, he was man at, uh, I think he was player of the month for either April or maybe March at the end of last year. So he's one that there's always a bit of risk, but I'm just banking <laughs> on the fact that he can do something good for me when Havertz and Sterling be doing nothing. So hopefully I'd be interested to see what you guys say, but see what you think. Just to remind me, Mikhail, did it go last time, the last time you picked someone who played really well for Germany leading into a, a run of games in the EPL? To be fair, I didn't pick Havertz based on his Germany <laughs> form. I picked him based on his Chelsea form in the Champions League where he beat Man City and scored the winning goal. So I, uh, I, Champions I, I always go back to the first episode of this year and I remember you guys said, what the hell are you doing? I justified it and you kind of looked at me and went, oh, well, there's a bit of logic there. As it turns out, you were right and I was wrong. But as to how a guy who kicks the winning goal and plays for a lot of those minutes at the end of last year then can't get a start or even a minute, I still don't quite know. And the the player I think you should probably reference more so that I picked up based on international form, Raheem Sterling, that's a different story. I picked him based on international form where he was just about player of the tournament, I think, for the Euros. And now 
just doesn't even get a run in. And the worst part is, is he's been replaced by Foden and Grealish, two other English wingers. So I don't quite understand. It must be a pep thing that he just doesn't like him, whereas Southgate loves him. Yeah, as far as uh, picking players based on like an important winning goal, I've just got two words for you, and that is Mario Goetzer. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but he had a, a couple of injuries happening as well. So I think that that's probably a bit of the reason to that. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Goetzer not even meant to be there? It was only because Royce was injured that he even got to go? I don't remember the full background of that story, but I did hear something like I, that. I, it may not have been Gotsa, but I remember, I'm pretty sure they held up a Royce shirt when they won because he got injured and didn't get to go. Now, he may not have been the guy that was meant to miss out, but I, I almost guarantee you he wasn't meant to play. Whether he was <laughs> meant to be there or not, he wasn't meant to play. And what are you talking about? You're talking about PSV Starlet at the moment, I'm pretty sure. He's going great guns over in the Eredivisie. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, your standards are maybe a little bit lower looking for value players at the moment <laughs> for looking at PSV and Eredivisie players. One thing I will say, Mick, about the trade, um, I was the beneficiary of uh, Gundogan's good form last season. I picked him up toward the back end just as he started really taking off. So he got me a ton of points. I love him as a player. Um you know, if he does play more and more minutes, yeah, he's going to score good points, definitely. Um, I guess uh, his form lasted for a fairly l large amount of time and then it sort of stopped. And I think at, at one point I did, I don't know if I got rid of him, but he definitely wasn't in my first team plans because Pep's pretty ruthless. Like as soon as uh, a good run of forms happened and it's sort of, he can see things turning. Sometimes he just sort of, you know, changes the team up for whatever reason. So hopefully that doesn't strike you, but yeah, I, I think Gundogan's a good player as well. I think, you know, he's a fairly decent pickup considering you had Sterling and Havertz who, you know, weren't doing much for you. I, I think that's where I'm at as well as, as much as pride wanted me to keep him and keep those other two and wait till one of them actually started performing this way. It's an easier way to continue to dropping and use those players to rotate through. So I've now swapped that, and if you look at it as what did I give up for a guy that might perform, not much. So hopefully Gundogan can get me some points. Um, I guess time will tell. Mm. It would have been interesting to talk to Jeff to sort of get his take on it, and hopefully we'll do that um, at some point in the near future. He is one to take players from big teams, and that's just another, um, you know, an, another... Uh, Another example of that, you know, he's not afraid to do it. So it's worked for him in the past. So we'll see how it goes um, as we continue on. I'm, I'm pretty sure now I'll have to find the message I got from Jeff after that. Um, but I'm pretty sure it went something along the lines of, um, hopefully it works for both of us. I'm keen to go head to head with you for the title and take Isaac down. So he obviously <laughs> has great plans for those two to start scoring great guns, but I, I don't luck. know if I'd go that far. I think maybe he should have tried to do a trade with Dan. Quite possibly. <laughs> well, everybody should try to do a trade with Dan at this point. I don't think Dan's going to do any more trades after this, personally. You think I've, we learned in 2014. <laughs> I can't wait to get him on the pod to talk about that trade. Um, and maybe the one I did with him, and I think I did a, a trade of Jimenez my way and Pedro his way, and Pedro stopped playing. That was a good one for me as well, I remember. So, you know. Uh, I'm I'm interested to hear Dan's thoughts, but uh, you know, in, in any regards, I have noticed that the trades 
offers to me have dried up since I made that trade. So, um, you know, I'm still open for trades, boys. I don't know why people have decided not to uh, trade with me, Gilby. I, I think it's, you know. Might have something to do with you winning the title for the last two years in a row on the back <laughs> of your trades. So if I, I think it might be now, I'm hoping people are going to start equating you with the Greeks offering a Trojan horse so that you know that there's something hiding that's probably going to come out and stab you if you accept this. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe if I can um, somehow get Ben to give me Kane, that would just cop- top it off. We'll see how we get on. <laughs> Rightio. Let's, uh, let's maybe move on. Now, boys, we're obviously going to talk about the game week coming up. Um, I, there might have been a few other things to talk about, but one thing I did last week actually that we didn't get time to talk about. Um, we I spoke about like the four week average, and that that Nathan, um, is currently smashing that. He's done well, really well the last four weeks, and so much so that he's uh jumped up the placings quite significantly, and and is currently, um, in third place. But the other thing I did, I I used um the old spreadsheet to do that. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to see if we were using our old scoring method, where the scores will be at the moment. So Mick, would you mind explaining what our old scoring method was for those? You did the spreadsheet so beautifully. So it's only fair that I ask you to do that. Um, so basically we just did a, a round by round ranking. So rather than here where we're doing basically end of the season, whoever has the most wins, uh, we did that round per round. So with eight of us in the league, if you won, you got eight points. If you got second, you got seven. Third got sixth, all the way down to if you got last, you came got one point. Um, at the end of the season, whoever has the most points wins. So basically, the more times you got first, the more eight pointers you got, the higher you were. So basically, I think 38 by four or four and a half is where your average should be. The higher up you are, the better. Um, I think we had a few tiebreakers based on whoever had the most round wins, etc., um, but yeah, well, that, that's basically how it works. So mm. you are basically just playing for each round by round. Um, you're trying to, I guess, rather than necessarily build you up for the entire season, because you are trying to set yourself up, but it's more about picking for that round. Um, with our larger squad sizes, you could also hold on to try to make sure you could keep those the better players there. So um, that's how we did that there. But yeah, I'd be interested, interested to know after what 10 or 11 rounds, how uh, how that's actually going and who would be in the lead. Yeah, I think the one thing that I was hesitant about when we first changed to this new system, I thought, oh, if there's big blowouts of scores, it's going to be really difficult to chase people down. It's going to be really difficult for people to move up up and down the ladder. But I've been actually quite surprised how that still is a feature. Um, you know, when we were doing round by round like this, you always felt like you were still in it until maybe, you know, like the last maybe 10 game, game weeks, for example, you felt like, yeah, you could still sort of jump up the ladder. So where it sort of sits at this point in time, um, let me just finish this off, is um, after, what, 11 rounds, um, I'd be in first spot on 64 points, um, followed by Nathan on 57 followed by Gilby on 52, followed by Jeff in 50. And then we've got um, Dave on 48, Mick on on 46, Dan on 43, and Ben on 41. So I guess it's a, there's, there's a few little differences there in that um, Nathan would actually be second 
um, in this particular point scoring. The other thing that I found interesting was um, the ladder positions over the rounds. And we've just had Gilby, who's been on top for 10 rounds in our current scoring system. If we use the old scoring system, um, I would have been in the lead since round three and would have maintained it. So it's very interesting to sort of see that difference. Um, I must say I'm enjoying the point scoring that we're doing at the moment. I think, it, uh, like I said, I was apprehensive to begin with, but I actually quite enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and I think that's something I think I've mentioned previously regards to both Gilby, how well he started the season. He referenced a, a little thing I sent in the group chat with his first two rounds and how basically how good they were and how far ahead he was. And I'm assuming... <laughs> The fact that I, I can only assume Gilby won both of those two rounds. So yep. his third round, he must have been almost in the bottom half, whereas you stayed second, second, and I assume maybe even won the third round yeah. to allow to have allowed you to catch up that quickly. So I think that's given him basically a big head start that he's gotten those points to fall back on, which he's kind of needed when he's had to carry um, Rashford for so long um, and DCL for so long, and now Sanchez if he chooses to keep him. So. Yeah. It's well, kind of giving him that start. But one thing I wanted to say is with this new hmm. system is it's interesting that I've had such a poor start to the season, but in the last three rounds, I think I've moved – without moving up the table, I've actually gained on first spot consistently. And it's only small, small margins, don't get me wrong, but I haven't had one, a week yet. And I think everyone is – in 38 rounds – everyone will have one week where everything seems to click and you'll score 60 to 80 points. Say Dan last week where it happened for him. I think that will happen at one point. The big thing is, is you just need that to happen in a round where everybody else does poorly. So you don't have those 18 point rounds like Gilby had last week. Yeah. It's a matter of when you get that. So I think if I can not have good rounds and even pick up somewhere between one, two, three, up to 10 points on whoever's leading even if I don't win the round I just need to slowly call that back and hope that I can have that one massive round that can push me up the table by 25-30 points if I can do that twice throughout the season with increments otherwise I think I'm only about 107 points behind mm. um, 105 so if I can have two rounds where I make up 20 points I'm 60 behind that leaves me with something like 25 rounds I only need to make up two points around. That is that is doable. So I was saying to Jeff today that as much as I'm seventh and I haven't done anything, everyone can still win this. Yeah. So I I don't think anyone is really out of the race as of yet. So I am no, excited. Obviously, come round nineteen, I might say differently. But at the moment, if things start turning and if you can make some good decisions, I think anyone is still in the running. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, that's what I said. I think I said it to you a couple of podcasts uh, back, Mick, where you were saying like how you really need to make moves and you really need, you can only trade with Dan and everything. And I sent to uh, some of the other boys I've messaged and talked to about the league is uh, it's not that far back. Like when you look at 100 points, it looks like a lot. But I mean, when we were just looking, I mean, Dan, Nate beat me by nearly, nearly 50 points on the weekend. So, I mean... It can, your lead can evaporate real quick with this game. And as you say, like if you happen to have a great round, then that's all you really need. Yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll leave this little chat with this. We're talking about um, the old scoring system and, and myself and Gilby, we've only won, we would have only won one round each 
So Gilby, he had really two really good rounds, but the second round I actually beat him to come first in the round, that, that second round where there were big points. Have a guess who has the most would have had the most round wins? Dan. Nate. It's actually a tie between Jeff and Nathan. Yeah. So Jeff yeah. with Salah's done really well. He's got, oh, Salah, both, of course. Yeah, they've, they've both got four round wins. Um, the big difference is that neither of them have scored, have have got second or third place in a round week. And that's where the difference lies. Whereas I've got four seconds and three thirds. So that's where the, the big sort of gulf in points comes from. And then, you know, Gilby has a few more down sort of the back end fourths down, you know, Gilby has a few more of those than me. So that's sort of where that difference came from. So out of curiosity, I mean, I'm assuming I have quite a lot fifth, sixth and seventh. How many eighths do I have out of 11? Do I have more than two? You've got two sevenths and two eighths. Okay. You haven't had a round win, but you've got... Yeah, no, I I know I haven't had it. I haven't had one big round yet, but I feel like I've been pretty consistent kind of between two and seven. Um, I just, I feel like I'm I'm due that big round. (laughs) Once it's happened, I'll be like, okay, now it's starting to come back. But hopefully some of these moves that have been made can help me out. Yeah. And I guess the difference between these two games is that like right now, if we were playing the other scoring system, Nathan could beat me. Nathan could overtake me in one game week, whereas at the moment it might take two or three. And what we saw with Gilby is it took a lot longer to be able to actually catch him. Um, whereas you could do it in a one round quite comfortably if you just happen to luck in with the points and, and, and there was enough people between you and the next. So Yeah, that's yeah. why like this for this season, that's why I've stuck with players uh, longer than I would have otherwise. And I've selected players that are a bit more prone to rotation. Like in the past, I would not have taken Diogo Jota um, at all because I really hate players that rotate in and out as much as you have really high value um, because but with a round-by-round system, as you've said, it's much more value to get second, third, and fourth all the time rather than alternating between first and eighth. But at the moment now, if I if Jota scores a hat-trick and then has a few a few rounds of one point each, you can carry that because it doesn't matter when you get your points as long as you get your points. Yeah. So I can I can wear a 20-point round as long as I can ma- ma- uh, match it with a 60-point round. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to maximize your points throughout the season is basically the name of this game so yeah i feel that was just really really interesting to look back sort of go go back to maybe what it would look like if we were playing that old uh that old scoring system uh but guys is there anything else before we jump into looking at this next game week yeah i suppose the only thing was just the three new managers coming in so really really quickly gerard taking over at villa uh, the thing to watch for there, I had a look at, uh, he has favoured a narrow 4-3-3 while he's been managing Rangers. And he said that Rafa Benitez is a big influence on how he likes to play. So, I mean, obviously he's played fairly attacking with Rangers. Might need to go a bit more conservative with Villa in the um, league. But the things to look for will be playing a narrow 4-3-3, kind of like Liverpool kind of played right now. Uh, the wingers may be contributing. Um, so it could be really good for people like Bailey or Buendia maybe playing the inside forward role. Could be good for Watkins as well. Um, and he really likes attacking fullbacks. 
Um, um, you may, if you're a FIFA fan, you may recognize the name James Tavernier, um, who was a FIFA legend for the last couple of years as an attacking fullback. Um, so I know Jeff, I think at the moment, has Matty Cash. So that might be one to watch for there. Um, and then obviously the other two managers, Eddie Howe at Newcastle, reunited with his old mate Callum Wilson. Um, and Matt Ritchie, and uh, a little Ryan bit more Fraser. controversially, Ryan Fraser, yes. <laughs> um, so that's going to be really inter- interesting because he was famous at Bournemouth for always playing 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. So which system he goes with there and how many millions he gets to spend in January to try and keep them in the league will be the things everyone will be thinking about now. And then just in this last 24 hours, Dean Smith coming in at Norwich, so swapping Villa for Norwich. So I haven't really seen too much analysis on how he might better go at Norwich there. I think it maybe just try to salvage a few things at first and see how he goes from there. But yeah, I mean, some um, interesting manager changes, which may have something to do with mixed multi coming up, but we'll see which way he goes. I think um, the Eddie Howe appointment's interesting in that when Eddie Howe was at Bournemouth, there was always, you know, the thought that, oh, he's got no funds. Imagine what he could do if he had more money, um, if he could, you know, spend on better players and, you know, with how he how he likes to, his teams to play and how they set up. So I think there's a bit of pressure on him, really. Once those millions of dollars start to come in, they start to buy those players that potentially, you know, that people, you know, would really want to see him with. There's a bit of pressure on there for him to perform and actually you know, become that manager that so many people were expecting him to be by now, really. Yeah, no, I had a look at the record that he has at Bournemouth, and Bournemouth were always pretty good attacking-wise. Um, like, had very good statistics for, well, a pretty small team, let's be honest. Uh, but the defence was always his issue, particularly in that last season where Bournemouth did actually get relegated. Um, his defence leaked like a sieve, and he couldn't really fix it. So Newcastle with the, I think, the equal worst defence in the division. I'm not sure if Norwich mm. have overtaken them or not uh, the last couple of weeks, but it's always between them as to who the worst defence is. And, I mean, if they follow the Man City model, they'll probably spend money on attackers trying to get themselves out of the hole with relegation. So could be fireworks at one end or the other with Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, the Dean Smith appointment's interesting. Um, so many, even Villa fans are saying how just how good he is, even though he got the sack. So, yeah, interesting that he's going straight back into another Premier League job. Really convenient for him when you think about it. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does with them and, and how he can actually get them to, to win a few more games. Does it say something about Frank Lampard's managerial skills that there's been all of these, I think that's five out of the 20 so far that have changed? And he's been mentioned on a few. I think he was closest to Norwich um, and he turned them down, I'm assuming, based on what availability of spending I think I saw. Um, Villa, he was in the running and they went with, I guess, you could almost say he's not arch nemesis, but basically a very (laughs) similar midfield player Mm. that played throughout the same era in the same position. Um, And he's, you could almost argue Gerard's finally got one up on Lampard. Um, But yeah, it's, you would have, you would have had to have thought he'd go closer to that, right? I think it's the fact that uh, Gerard has the 
backing. Like, he's proved that he can succeed and win. I mean, admittedly, it's Scotland with Rangers. And when, in a year, Celtic didn't play well at all. So it's going to be a real test for him now, obviously, because playing the attacking 4-3-3 with a team that is significantly better than all of your opponents is one thing. Uh, trying to do it, I mean, what's the old saying? Doing it on a cold, wet night in Stoke or something. Um, I'll be interested to see what formation and what attacking he does then. So on a scale of certainly to almost definitely, when Klopp leaves, he has a contract clause to allow him to leave, right? Oh, yeah. It'd be my guess, but the interesting thing is, I think this is a big risk for him because the convenient choice, maybe the smarter career choice would have been to stay at Rangers for the next couple of seasons and wait for the Liverpool job. But now if he goes to Villa and it does not go well, has he now sabotaged his chances of Liverpool? Because if he goes down with Villa and doesn't go well, you can't see him getting the Liverpool job. Hmm. Uh yeah, it's it's definitely a big risk. He's he's you've got to hope that he's well equipped enough now to deal with that risk, um, given what he's gone through. Um, I know it's the Scottish League, but you know, it's a, a high pressure job when you're either at Rangers or Celtic. I think that what's interesting is that what does this? Did he leave because he felt uh, Ange breathing down his neck there at Celtic? Uh, what does this mean for Ange? Does this mean that if if Ange does well, is able to win the league a couple of times, does he potentially get a crack at a Premier League job? I have seen a couple of articles saying that this week. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to notice that I think famously a couple of years ago, he came out, like someone asked him about managing Liverpool because he's a Liverpool fan. Mm. Um, and he said, look, why not? Why can't Australia manage Liverpool? So, I mean, who knows? Rather than Steven Gerrard, it could be Ange Postacoglu. <laughs> I tell you, I rate Ange. I think he does well with his teams. You know, he... We've seen it firsthand here in Australia, and you've seen it wherever he's gone at this point in time. Celtic seem to be, you know, turning the corner a little bit. Um, can you just imagine him with a bit, a bit more money? It'd be pretty interesting to see what he does. So, fingers crossed for him. That'd be good. Yeah, well, I mean, his style of attacking football definitely suits a more powerful team. Um, so, you never really know. I mean, if if he if he managed to win the title with Celtic, maybe go okay. I think he. I think they're potentially going to qualify into the Europa League. And if they don't go well, it'll be the Conference League at the moment. So, I mean, there's some opportunities there. Like you said, like getting an Australian, getting his name out there and managing Europe. Uh, it's been pretty rare. We haven't had much success lately with <laughs> managers going overseas. So, yeah, I mean, good on him. Do, do you find it strange at all? Now, this is, sorry, going back a little bit, that Steven Gerrard's going to be managing two players that he played with. He's going to be managing Danny Ings, who I've just looked, he's only 29. I could have sworn he'd be in his 30s. Uh, but secondly, Ashley Young. So I, I assume he's played together for England. Um, I am making an assumption there because obviously... I mean, he's in his 40s, United isn't legend. he? Well, Gerard's 41, <laughs> but yeah, 36 is what Ashley Young is. Right. So just interesting that they're going to be playing or he's going to be managing two guys that he's shared the pitch with on the same team. So interesting one there. I can, I can just... Going back to Ange to wrap this up, I can just I can just see this will never happen because of the current manager they have. But can't you just can't you just visualize Ange on the touchline there um, as Burnley manager trying to get their their wing wing backs to bomb forward? Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Can't you just can't you just see it? Of all teams, Burnley's where you went. <laughs> oh, 
Well, that's the thing, right? Like, wouldn't it wouldn't it be just amazing for him to try and go somewhere like that and try and totally change the way they play? Can like, you imagine? Dude, can you imagine a team like um? You imagine Ange versus Tony Pulis or Sam Allardyce? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. That'd be lovely. I no. would love to see him though, like like you guys said, in a top team with funds to get not just good players, but the players he wants. He, in which Angie isn't the type of guy to literally just go out and get the name. He wants a certain guy to play a certain role. And if he can find that guy, I reckon he could be a – he already is a phenomenal manager. But to have mm-hmm. choice, which you saw what he did with Australia where he had to – as much as he has his philosophy and how he likes to play, you've got to adapt it based on what you've got. Yeah. And Australia doesn't have, I guess, the flourish and riches of technical talent that England and Italy and particularly a place like Spain and Brazil have. You got a guy like Tommy Rogic who has a futsal background, has that intricate control to play the pull of strings, and Aaron Moy with the range of passing. But outside of that, we generally thrive off our athleticism. That's how we play a harder game, playoff athleticism. Um, when he doesn't have that and he can actually play that intricate passing style, and you could almost argue smarter football, it'd be interesting to see just how good he could be. Mm. I mean, you look at. Uh, Arsenal TV always having a crack at not knowing how Arteta's what 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 the plan is, how Arteta's meant to be playing, what the style is. If you think Ange going to that team, there's a clear style, there's a clear way they want to play. Like Arsenal would love that because like they can see how attacking they want to be, and he's usually fairly solid at the back once he gets the structures right. Like that that would just be amazing to see him going to that stature of a team with the funds that they have and go and just you know play that attacking style. It'd be pretty pretty amazing to see. Now, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Obviously, he's just got the Celtic job and he's only just started there. But I want to hear a prediction right now. Premier League club, what's his next appointment? If if Ange, When Ange goes to the Premier League, what club is he taking over? I think he goes to the Championship rather than the Premier League next. If he, if he decides he wants to go to England, that is, um, I think he will need to go to the Championship and try and bring them up the long way. Either that or it'll be a, it won't be a top team. I could see like a Southampton. Okay. Like Ralph's I... done a good job, but I can see him going to that team and actually improving what they do and how they do it. He'll need to win with Celtic first to even look oh, at yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I'm going to put it out there. Within five years, he will be managing a top six team. Wow. And that that's a big call. I realise that. Give us can one. You, Make the call even bigger. Can you put Can you put that in your multi? Can we call it like a five-year <laughs> multi? I, I wish I could. I, you know what? I might even send a old sports better message to go, give me some odds on this. Um, but... Top six, you said? Top six? Top top six is what I said. So that's, yeah, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea. Tottenham? I think Arsenal and Tottenham has got to be the six, what right? If, what if Brendan Rodgers goes to City like they say? Could he go to Leicester? I I honestly haven't seen Brendan Rodgers to City. Is that the rumour? I thought he was going to uh, United. It's like a long-standing one. I, I, I'm going to throw it out there. Screw it. City. Now, it depends how long Pep wants to stay. Because I don't think Pep's going to be there that long. And that's my theory. He's been part of the City group. Now, if you cast your mind back, Daniel Arzani signed for City and then went on a two-year loan to Celtic. So there's some level of relationship between those two teams. 
If Pep, it depends what Pep's plan is. The way Pep likes to play football isn't that dissimilar to what Ange plays. Okay, yes, there's some slight functionality differences, but the general philosophy is to play football. If Pep say, now this is a big stretch for Pep, but if he has any pull or any kind of input like Sir Alex did for Manchester United, now I know Sir Alex had 30, 40 years worth of input, Pep could say, with this team, go get a guy like him and you can continue on where you are. My issue is I don't see Pep staying that long and Ange doesn't have enough time at Celtic to create a name for himself. If Pep decides to stay for four or five years, which he's already been at City longer than he's been at any other club, if he does stay for that time, I don't see why it can't happen. But like I said, I don't see Pep staying that long, so I think City might be a stretch. But I'm going to put it out there. So if it does happen, I look like a genius. And I would say, you know what, that's better than my fantasy season being crap. I feel like Mick's getting drunk on his mix mix uh, multis. Just doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> well, I think the next big manager, a lot of people are talking about, like obviously with the silly season going on and everyone getting sacked in the Premier League, everyone's looking around for managers. And from what I've seen, um, the current manager of River Plate, a guy called Marcel Gallardo, um, he's getting really, really big raps from around the world with what he's done with River Plate. Uh, he's turned them into, they won the Copa Libertadores a couple of times and he, the type of football he's been playing with them, despite losing a lot of his best players every season, has been earning rave reviews. So that might be a name to look at. I've seen starting to get linked with some of the Premier League jobs. So we'll see how that goes as well. I think Pep is a fan of him as well. Just... um. For those people who may not know too much about River Plate, and I'm not saying that that person's me, but you know, for those three listeners that we have that always listen and want to know more, um, can you just tell those listeners, not me, those listeners, where the heck that team actually plays? Uh, River Plate is one of the two big teams in Argentina. Okay. So uh, you think of think of like Scotland, where you've got say Celtic Rangers. In Argentina, it's Boca Juniors and River Plate. Um, so. Um, the type of football he's been able to play there, um, and what he's done with that team. Um, I mean, I hadn't, I had never heard his name before, but, um, ever since like everyone's starting to toss up all sorts of names to take the various manager jobs coming up, uh, his name's starting to get linked. So that'd be an interesting one to see. I think it'll, I mean, it, it'll just take Ange another, uh, a season, half a season, to get them potentially into Champions League to start actually beating some big teams for that same rap to be on him. You know, if he can do that, if he can manage that and start to put in those performances, that that's all it would take. Because he's got yeah, well, he's maybe. got the runs on the board in different leagues as well, you know. Well once Brendan Rogers, um whether or not he failed as such at Liverpool is up for debate. But, yeah, I mean, he went to Celtic, uh, did some really good things with Celtic, and then, like, he was the flavour of the month again, and, like, he was in pole position for when Leicester came calling. So, I mean, I think it's a really good move for him. Um, I think if he does continue on the trajectory, trajectory, the trajectory he is on, um, then, who knows, Mick's magnificent five-year multi might pay off. Maybe we swap that magnificent out for something else. We'll just have to wait and see. So, look, we've we've 
wax lyrical about Ange. We've we've done well. We all love Ange. I think that's the takeaway from this. We hope that he gets into a, a big club and is able to dominate for years to come. But I think it's time, boys, that we look uh, at the upcoming fixtures uh, in game week 12. So, as always, there's 10 of them. No surprises there. First one being Leicester v Chelsea. Uh, and then we go into uh, Villa versus Brighton. Burnley vs. Palace, Newcastle v. Brentford, Norwich vs. Southampton, Watford v. Man United, Wolves v. West Ham, Liverpool vs. Arsenal, Man City vs. Everton, and Spurs vs. Leeds. So, um, you know, obviously everyone's, everyone just wants to know what mixed multi is. But So we'll start with myself. We'll start with, with Gilby looking for a particular game here that sort of stands out to us for whatever reason, could be fantasy related, could just be of interest. Obviously a few new managers starting at this point in time. So that will just be interesting in itself. Um, I'm personally, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with, with Liverpool Arsenal. The reason being that Liverpool off a loss, Arsenal have been, picking up really good results without having played necessarily a big team. So I think this is a really good sort of um, game to sort of see where both of those clubs are. Uh, Is Arsenal able to continue that rise? Uh, Is Liverpool able to bounce back? I think that's just going to be a a really good game because Arsenal have at least been in some better form, but this is the, uh, the biggest test for them. And so I'm keen to see how they react to that um, and, you know, see whether they're going to be calling for Arteta's head and Ange gets the call up. So that's that's my game. I think that's going to be a, a good one to watch. What, do you, what are your thoughts, Gilby? Yeah, I mean, I'm going with the new manager bounce possibly happening. <laughs> uh, I think for at least two of these teams, they really need it to happen fast. So, I mean... You'd have to say with Villa hosting Brighton, Newcastle hosting Brentford and Norwich hosting Southampton, you'd have to say the supporters are probably going to go into all three of those matches, if not expecting a win, expecting a good performance at home, Mm. hosting three teams that you'd argue you could say all three games are winnable. So that's going to be a very interesting one to see what happens with all three of those teams. Mm. You'd hope, I think of the three, the one that I look at that, is most probable is probably the Newcastle Brentford because Brentford haven't been playing that well that I think a lot of teams have sort of figured them out to an extent, although they're still attacking well. They just haven't got the end product, as you mentioned but earlier on, Gilby. So I'm thinking the Newcastle fans, especially because it's at home. In fact, they all play at home. Um, but them at home are going to expect a result there, really expect a result. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to see what kind of formation they all play as well as to what changes they'll make and who could potentially be worth something in fantasy, that's going to be mm. something to have a look at too. I feel like Eddie Howe at times, did he not play a, a three at the back? Was it always just a 4-4-2? Yeah, he was always okay. 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking maybe uh, St. Maximin could be good uh, mm. if he goes with 4-4-1-1 for that role in behind the striker. Um, so that'll be one to watch. I mean, obviously Callum Wilson had his best form at Bournemouth as well. So, yeah, I mean, those two, are, two I'm going to keep an eye on. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, yeah, Wilson, there was, I mean, you look at Wilson, um, 
partnering up with him as well. There's there's good, you know, good vibes there. You got to hope that those two are going to work well together. Very nice. Now, Mick, have we given you sufficient time to to justify my decision of Postacoglu going to City? Absolutely, you have Isaac. Now, oh, I've cool. actually found some data here. Now, everybody knows the uh, Scottish defending genius William McNeil, right? You remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Born in nineteen forty. Just played a little bit of 486 games for Celtic, scored 22 goals. But Are you sure? I thought but, it was... Yeah. I thought yeah, it was I know, seven. Right? You thought it was more, oh. but it actually wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he actually... Now, I'm, I'm clutching at straws here, but... No. Managed <laughs> really? Celtic for six really? years. <laughs> six years, had a little break, and then managed Celtic for another five years. But do you want to know where he went to straight after his first stint at Celtic? Just oh, a certain Mancunian club called City. <laughs> it may have been in 1983, but... <laughs> oh, How did possibly. you find this? <laughs> I literally went and found every Celtic and looked every Celtic manager <laughs> who managed the longest and found it. But Billy I'm McNeil, so... 1983, he was at Celtic. And then from 83 to 86, he was at Manchester City. Now... Oh, look, I'll have to find you, Gilby, and find out exactly where they were in 83 to 86. Um, I believe they may have actually been below the championship. So, 83, oh no, tier two. No, they bounced up into tier one. What are you on about? Look, he got them promoted. That's how good he was. So, there you go. They've gone from Celtic to a Premier League manager for Manchester City. But anyway, that's I digress. I'm, I'm so glad we padded for you to be able to do that. I know. I know, but I, look, it's because I was prepared and I have a multi ready. So like Gilby said before, the new manager bounce, he really wanted me to get on all of the new teams to win. He wanted me to get on them to win big, but that came out at odds at 1,500 to 1. Not going to happen. I can't get a 40 to 1 shot, let alone a 1,500 to 1 shot. So let's go. This is my multi this week. This is the game that I guess you could say I think has the most fantasy value. Purely because so far this season, a lot of this game, other than Salah, has been all about defenders uh, in FPL. Defenders seem to be where a lot of the points are getting scored, other than, like I said, with Salah. I think that might be time to change. The big guns are going to come back. Ronaldo's going to start scoring. And more importantly, Harry Kane's going to start scoring. So I've got Tottenham leads. I have got Tottenham to win. Harry Kane to score two goals or more. Rafinha to score any time. That to happen, 38 to 1. So that's my offer. I'm going Tottenham to win against Leeds, which Conte going there, you probably got to say they should be a good chance. I've had an international break for all those guys that didn't go away to try and get under him and into his routine. Harry Kane to return to form, which he did an international break this week, and Rafinha to continue his run while Bamford's out. So that's where it's at at the moment, 38 to 1. That's my uh, mixed multi and match of the week. Wow, so that's a uh, mixed, maddening, mischievous, magnificent, mega miracle, magic, marvelous, maligned, majestic multi. So you heard it here first, ladies and gents. It sounds great. I, I just can't wait till you sneak like magic in there twice and nobody notices. I mean, it's going to happen. If if I'm honest, it's it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> or, or, or just throw in like Manchester and see if we notice that it's not even an adjective that describes the word. It's just a random M word. But I, mean, I look forward to it. Yeah, I mean that's also going to have to happen. I think. I, I mean, I'm. I'll admit I'm starting to struggle a little bit, uh, but I'll 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 keep going. Okay, I'll I'll keep trying my hardest. 
I, I look we'll see how to we it. progress. I it. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still just struggling to know how you found that stat. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> you that... give give a man enough time, he'll find what he needs, right? Uh, Isn't this what you yeah. did at university? Okay. You go through and you find the data that supports you. You don't find data and then make your statement. You make your statement and find the one that fits. Um, I think I found the data and then decided, yep, that's the statement I'm going to go with, if I'm honest. <laughs> <Mick>. <laughs> we obviously work slightly differently. That's okay. Oh, there we go. So, look, we've done pretty well this particular. There was a little bit less to talk about, to be fair. But, um, look, I think the, the, the listeners are going to be relatively happy that, you know, they don't have to listen to us for almost two hours. So, you know. They're probably going to be disappointed they don't get to listen to Dave. Um, but Can, can I just sorry. ask that that one, two, or maybe even three other followers, if they've got Twitter, I want to actually see someone actually tweet us. Some random in the community that we don't actually know. I want someone to say, mm. can you please make your pods longer than an hour and 10 minutes? I missed the extra <laughs> half an hour. I would love to see that. If, if there are people disappointed that we didn't make an extra half an hour of this particular show, then I'll, yeah, it'd be great to hear from them. Uh, feedback is always encouraged. I think uh, we probably needed to put that at the beginning of the podcast. Um, there could have been some people maybe turn off by now. I don't know. Um, you know, so th- th- there's always uh, that. There's always that risk. So look, we might wrap it up there. Um, thank you to Gilby. Thank you to Mick. Um, thank you to Dave as well. Even though you're not here, uh, you're you're with us in our thoughts. We hope the mo's going well. Um, I'm sure it is, but uh, yeah, that's that's it for this week. So good luck, everybody, in your uh, either FPL or draft FPL, and we will catch up with you next week. Thanks, everyone.